You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And as you are, uh, if you have your Bible, would you please turn with me to Mark chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, please take advantage of the Bible located right in front of you. And you can turn to page number 710. Page 710. Mark chapter 4, we're looking at verses 35 to 41 this morning. We have begun a study of the Gospel of Mark this past fall, which will take us for we don't know how long, but until we're done. And as we walk through this incredible Gospel, we are finding ourselves not simply interacting with dry, dusty history text, but we find ourselves actually interacting with the very living presence and power of God. For that is the promise of the Gospel. The Gospel embodies the very power and presence of our living Lord. And so as we come to His Word to receive from Him, we're not simply looking at words but we are interacting with the living God who desires not to simply bring us information this morning, but is looking for transformation of our lives. I've entitled the word that I'm bringing this morning, Faith Expressed, and you'll understand that when I get to the end of the message. If you have a bulletin, you can use the tear-off there to take notes, and I would encourage you to do so, um, because I'll be referencing a number of other scriptures that you might want to delve into and look at uh, over this week as you continue to pray about what the Lord is speaking to us about this morning. The text this morning is one that, even if you don't know the Bible well, you might be familiar with, because it's a story that perhaps somewhere along the line you've heard or you've seen depicted in one way or another. It's the story of Jesus calming the storm. And it goes like this. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey. In the last several weeks as we've been 
exploring in the Gospel of Mark, we've been noting and, and kind of unpacking a number of different parables. Parables are windows into kingdom reality. Well, miracles serve a similar purpose in that they are signs which point us to a deeper reality. And so as we look at the miracle this morning, there are some things that we can discover together from this miracle that the Lord wants to open up your and my heart to, to a deeper kingdom reality that connects with your life in your circumstances here in 2009 today. There are four things that I want to bring to us this morning, and they're quite simple, but they are quite um, significant for us to grasp today. The first is this. Jesus allows us to experience storms. Now, let's pull back for a moment and just kind of set the scene. How, how many of you have been to the Sea of Galilee? How many of you have seen the Sea of Galilee? Okay, hands up. All right, good. Not numbers of you. Well, the Sea of Galilee is actually not that large of a sea. It's five miles by 13 miles, so it's not a very large uh, body of water. And it's surrounded by tableland around it's 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 actually 628 feet below sea level and it's surrounded by tableland and then beyond the tableland are high hills and what's mountains that that are there and cutting through the tableland between the mountains and the sea are these ravines the rivers that run into and out from the sea of Galilee and what happens frequently, or certainly not infrequently there, is that the winds will blow, they'll come down off of the mountains, they hit these river ravines, and the wind sort of accelerates and amplifies as it goes through. It's like a wind tunnel being created, and it sweeps down into the basin of the Sea of Galilee and begins to stir up the waves in a very um, violent and sudden kind of way. It's almost like, in fact, in one of the other gospel writers uses the word, here, here Mark says furious squall, 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 furious squall. Matthew talks about like an earthquake. It's like an earthquake in the sea. Just suddenly explodes. Now, when a storm comes up on the ocean and starts moving that vast body of water, if you're standing on the shore, you'll see those waves come in and they begin to crash over the seashore in, in some kind of consistent way. They may be huge and they might be frequent, but they're coming with a, a constancy and a regularity and, a, and sort of a rhythm that, that happens. That's not the case in the Sea of Galilee. Because when the wind blows in and because of the geological features of where the Sea of Galilee is located and the tablelands and the, and the mountains and the wind and all of that, when the, when the storm hits, the waves begin to come from all kinds of different directions, out of rhythm, out of sync. It just seems like 
the whole world is being turned upside down. Crashing in upon this small boat. Actually, several boats that are out there on the sea. Now that seems to me to be a fairly accurate description of how storms hit in our lives. Have you ever noticed that when storms hit, they don't seem to come sort of, I mean, the the, the pressures and the stresses and the difficulties don't seem to come in sort of a nice, measured, regular pattern so you can prepare yourself for the next one that's coming. When the storms come and start crashing, it's like, boom, from this side, boom, from that side, crash from behind, and suddenly you are in a completely bewildered and confused state. Anybody else been there? It's just me. All right. Okay. This is life, right? Well, when that happens, it creates great distress in our hearts. Because we don't know what to do. Now, there's another interesting feature about this that I don't want you to overlook. It's so obvious that it would be easy to miss. And that is this. The storms that the disciples experienced here hit them right in the place of their greatest expertise and strength. Many of these disciples were professional fishermen. They'd been on the boats probably for many, many years of their lives. They were used to experiencing certain types of storms. They were used to experiencing the challenges that came from being out there in the sea. But here they were being tested. These men who were used to making their living on the water were afraid that they were about to give their life to the water. Have you ever noticed that sometimes storms come? In fact, the most violent storms in our lives happen at the place where we feel the strongest? Now, we all know that we face storms in our life in the places where we feel weak, but it's when the storms hit where we feel strongest that those storms are the hardest. Because those storms have a way of stripping away the veneer of our independence and our self-sufficiency and bring us smack dab face to face with the reality of our deep need. This past week, Carlos Hernandez came in and shared with me several 
prophetic words that he's recently received, one of which I think is quite connected to what I'm just sharing with you. A word that he just received last Sunday, a very simple but profound word. It says, this is the Lord speaking, get rid of your bravado, your false facade. Step into my reality and you will walk into the emancipation of my spirit. Storms have a way of helping strip away the bravado. They're God's way of bringing us into deeper grace. This poem written by an anonymous author puts it so well. I asked the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace, might more of His salvation know and seek more earnestly His face. T'was He who taught me thus to pray and He, I trust, has answered prayer, but it has been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. Yeah. Don't you know? He allows us to experience storms. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. This is Luke recording what's going on here in the, in the book of Acts, the early church. And they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Now that is not a promise that you need to claim. That is a promise that will claim you. As Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. When you signed up to be a follower of Christ, somewhere there in the fine print of the covenant were the words that through many hardships you will go to enter the kingdom of God. Part of the package. But the good news is, is that Jesus is present with us in the storms. The challenge is that we're not always sure that He's awake. Jesus, where are you? How long, O oh Lord? Am I going to be going through this forever? Did you fall asleep at the wheel and let go? Are we on autopilot? Where are you? Jesus, come on. Now, I know you're all more spiritual than I am, but I've had those, right? You too? See, the storm is raging and Jesus is resting. That kind of scares me. The boat's about to go under. Jesus is asleep. 
But it tells us something. Jesus is fully at rest. See, he lived in complete conscious dependence upon his father for every moment. He knew he was in Papa's hands. He knew whose hands he was in. And he knew that the Father had instructed him to go to the other side and he had told the disciples, we're going to the other side. Now he didn't tell them whether they were going to go on the water or under it, but he said, we're going to the other side. Jesus always fulfills His promises. Not always in the way we might expect. What's ironic here is that the storm did not disturb the Master at all, but the unbelief and fear of His disciples did. In fact, I don't think it would be too much to say that the storms, the circumstances of our lives externally are about one-tenth of the issue. Nine-tenths of the issue is our internal reaction to those storms. The fears that take those storms and amplify them all out of proportion. Yeah? You, you living where I'm living? Come on. When our fear comes... It causes us to abandon our spiritual foundations. All reasons for trust depart. All of our past experiences, the knowledge that God has given us, His goodness expressed to us faithfully throughout the year, evaporate as fear grips our lives. Over and over, Jesus had demonstrated His faithfulness to His disciples. And so He says, Guys, Guys, come on. Are you still so afraid? John 16, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world... You will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In the book of Revelation, the same writer of the Gospel of John, the Apostle John, sees a vision of the Lord on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation chapter 1. And he says, I turned around and I, to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet... As though dead, and he placed his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. In the midst of your circumstances and your storms, go to this scripture and remind yourself who he is. 
He's the one with us in the midst of our storms. So, what's next? Well, what's next is that He grows us through the storms. Those storms come with purposefulness into our lives. You see, without trials, without difficulties, without stresses, even without failures, if if we never went through any of those things, we would never grow to become what He desires for us to become. Without adversity, we would be insufferably self-centered, proud, flat-dimensioned, and empty people. It's true. It's the storms of life that He uses to grow us up. Ruth Graham prayed many years ago, Dear God, let me soar in the face of the wind, up through cold or the storm with wings to endure. Let the silver rain wash all the dust from my wings. Let me soar as He soars. Let it lift me. Let it buffet and drive me. But God, let it lift. Now you know this Scripture. Pastors always pull this one out when you're in the middle of a trial. Book of James, consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you face trials of any kind. Now, again, you all are very spiritual, but maybe even like me, it's like, okay, God, if I get any more joyful, all right? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God uses these challenges in our lives to grow us up into the fullness of faith in Him that He longs for. Just this week, the Newsweek arrived at the in the mail it says, uh, why stress is good for your life. I haven't read it all, but I figure I'm going to live to at least 150. Okay? <laughs> so, this is good. It's got to be really good. All right? Isaiah 30, I've been reflecting and praying into this the last couple of weeks. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. You know how I interpret this is is that the bread of adversity and the water of affliction become our teachers. They are our teachers. And they show us how to walk and the way to walk. This is the way, walk in it. You hear the voice behind you. Because you know what? When you've walked in the bread, when you've eaten the bread of adversity and, walk, and, and, and drank the water of affliction, you know its taste, and you say, okay, 
I'm going to move this way. We're talking about this in the first service this morning. You know, um, I didn't know the word, but one of the teachers helped me. You know, in, in, in school, sometimes they have what they call social promotion, which means even if you didn't master, you know, the work of a particular age class, whatever it is, because they want to move you along, they do social promotion and push you to the next grade anyway. Have you ever noticed that God doesn't know about social promotion? If you don't master it the first time, he's incredibly persistent about having you retake the course. You know, boy, this terrain looks really familiar. Yeah? So I don't know about you, but part of what I want to learn is how to walk through you can't go around. You can't go above. You can't go below. You got to go through so that you grow up. All right. Last one. Jesus brings us victory over the storms. He allows storms into our lives. He's present with us in the storms. He's helping to grow us up through the storms with the ultimate purpose of bringing us victory over the storms. At the end of the picture here, the sea is completely calm. Jesus says, quiet, be still. The very word that He uses here is the word that He uses when He speaks to those who are being demonized and he speaks to the demons that are demonizing people and and holding them under all kinds of bondages and he speaks to them and he says, be muzzled. That's what he says to the storm. Be muzzled. Close your trap. Peter talks about the enemy... He likens to a roaring lion that is seeking whom he may devour. When the lion roars, the purpose of the lion roar is to paralyze its prey with fear. And Jesus says to the roaring lion, Be still! Just as he did to the lions when Daniel was in the lion's den. Enough. Be muzzled. Still. Quiet. That's what he wants to do to the storms, the voices, the fears that are amplifying all of that circumstance in your life. The Lord wants to bring you victory over the storm. I read the first half of Psalm 107 just a little bit ago towards the close of our worship time. The next verses, just after I stopped, verses 24 to 30 say this, They saw the works of the Lord, His wonderful deeds in the deep. 
For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wit's end. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm. And he guided them to their desired haven. I don't know what the disciples... I mean, they were thinking... I mean, the, the end of our text was like, oh my. They were, ter- they were even... They were more afraid. <laughs> but now it's the awe afraid. Who is this? But maybe at some point, they remembered to open up the hymnal to hymn number 107 and they reminded themselves of these words. Oh yeah. That's who He is. That's who our God is. That's why it's so powerful. That's why music has such a power when it's attached to words because in the midst of the storms which you are going through, begin to sing the songs of truth. To remind yourself of who He is and where He stands in relationship to your circumstance and situation. So this morning, I don't know where all of you are at, but I sure do know a lot of you. And I know what many of you have walked through. I know the depths of storms that you've faced. And the testimonies of His goodness and grace that you bring into this house and out into the world are powerful. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. How could you not be encouraged by Jeannie's testimony this morning. Come on. Unless you're a rock. <laughs> a stone. So I want to remind you this morning, in the middle of your boat that feels like it is being swamped, Jesus is with you. And He wants to grow you up and help you overcome. And if you've not ever invited Jesus into your boat, today would be a really good day to do that. Because man, if you've been bailing for a long while, your arms are getting tired. Because those waters, they just are relentless. You need somebody who can speak to that wind in those waves. So today, you could just surrender your life to Him. Say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. Psalm chapter 50, verse 10 sort of summarizes it in this beautiful way. It says, um, verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble. 
I will deliver you and you will honor me. Call on him. Call on him. Jesus, I need you. I'm a savior. I'm a sinner. I need you to be my savior. Come. Help Jesus. Matthew, the parallel gospel, that's, that was the disciples. Lord, save us! <laughs> it's a good prayer. Lord, save me. Maybe you've walked with the Lord a while, but you just needed a reminder today. You just needed a reminder. We all need a reminder. We get to remind each other. I just get, got to do it this morning for you. We just need to remind each other. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. I just need to be reoriented here. Okay. Worship team, come on up. Oh, Lord. I don't know, for the last weeks, this song, it's a familiar song, but we just haven't sung it in a while. It's just been kind of pouring in my spirit. It's a shout to the Lord, all the earth. And um, this morning, if you need to invite, if you want to invite Jesus into your boat, or maybe you've just been feeling like he's been asleep and you just have been reminded that, okay, he really is there, but you just need to remind yourself of that reality. And if you just want to come, I'm going to just open up this altar, whatever that is, and then I'm going to pray a prayer of benediction. But why don't you bring it to Jesus today, whatever that is, your life, as Lidovic prayed before, Lord, what do we have to offer you? We have our life. Bring him your life. Bring him your circumstances. Bring him your situations. Bring him your storms. Bring him your stresses. Bring him your temptations. Bring him your hearts. Bring him your brokenness. Bring him your weakness. Bring him your helplessness. Bring him everything. Bring him your powerlessness. Bring him everything. Bring him the gift of your need today. Bring him everything. And he wants to be everything for you. To you. Could we stand to our feet? We will have a benediction prayer after this. So if you can just stay in the house until we pray that prayer. And if you want to come, please do come receive him today. Come receive his grace and goodness. Come on.